0: I want the good news. I want the bad news. Give it to me.
1: The good news is I have discovered snacking elevated these new. um, I don't know if they're new, but they're new to me. These bark thins. You're seeing these bark thins. Yes. Yes. Right. Phenomenal. I have a package right in front of me and you know, they're, they're good with the almonds in them with the nuts in them with any, anything you want them. The bad news is I just took a big bite of one before the podcast started and I think I hurt my mouth.
0: Oh no. Oh no. no. I have, I've seen these things. So maybe describe mm-hmm. for for the listeners, because I have seen these and I've never purchased them. I had thought about it when I'm in mm-hmm. the airport cause I see them all the time. So maybe lay down highly, I want also highly recommend. how,
1: how you ran well, so into first these, of all, how it occurred.
0: Tell me the story
1: they they are one of those things where it became, you know, accidental success through necessity. Right. So obviously Papa bear is corn free as he has been here for a while. Right. So I'm rocking the corn free diet, which is anybody, everyone who knows the the mystery and the conspiracy of corn is that corn isn't everything. It's and true. the reason is that corn is often used as a as a stabilizer. That's the best way to describe it to people. So when they wonder, it's not just. Corn itself, or corn starch, or corn syrup—the obvious ones people think of—but corn is used in different forms and has goes under many different names. Right? He goes by many names. He is the <laughs> mystery man of corn. He is corn goes by dextrose, d e x t r o s e, maltodextrin, spelt mm-hmm. exactly how you say it. Say it sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so corn has. Many forms. And because it's used in a lot of ways to stabilize things, you'll find it in different medicines and in different packaged goods and bags, because that's kind of the only way they can get it to have the shelf life that they need. So during the last three months of this process of me being corn free and actually having made the mistake a few times of having corn and then felt terrible in my tummy tums. So now that I'm convinced that this guy who told me I had a corn allergy because of inflammation in my joints and digestion issues is actually not just like a voodoo doctor, like actually knows what he's talking about Mm -hmm. that I really go out of my way. And so because of that whole story, I was you know reading the back of every single bag in the chip aisle as one would do. Anyone would do it. They would read the back of every single bag in the chip aisle. Do it all the time. And I came across uh these fair trade certified bark thins, and you can hear the bag in front of me. But I'm, it's dark chocolate. It's natural. I mean, it's like, it's um, it has wheat flour. So for those of you that are gluten free, it's it's a no go. But it's, but it's it really has no none of the artificial stuff that's designed to give different types of flavored chips or flavored snacks an insane amount of, of shelf life. And so very good, highly recommended. This. Podcast is now brought to you by Barkthens.
0: Brought to you by Barkthens. Mm -hmm. All your gluten and fair trade chocolate in one source.
1: How was that? That was great. Um, We should reach (laughs) out to them with a little clip of that. Maybe they'll legit give us like a lifetime supply of Barkthens or something.
0: (laughs) I I think I'll make a little just, you know, minute Twitter video of you praising the glory of... Uh Bark thins and just mm. now, which ones did you get? Did you get the pretzel ones, the almond ones? Um,
1: I've, I've tried both, um, both pretzel and almond so far. I think almond is my favorite because it's just the pretzel ones get very salty and very rich, like chocolate covered pretzels can be. But the almond ones, I mean, they're dangerous. You could eat a whole bag in a setting.
0: Mm-hmm. I like so that. Good. I like that, and I hate that at the same time because you sit down, and you're like, I'm gonna just have one or two. Oh, the whole bag's
1: gone. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. So that's, uh, now we're done with that beautiful part of the program. Time to move is on. What do you doing? Is but that,
0: it? is that the good news and the bad news? What was the bad yeah, news? I
1: told you the, the, the bad news was I, I hurt my mouth cause I took a big bite wow. of one yeah. before I was in a rush and I took a big bite. And like one of those where like, it, it met the top of my mouth at an odd angle between my teeth and the top of my mouth. And you know, it like, it kind of like, it wasn't a, graphic wound or anything but it just poked the top of my mouth in an uncomfortable way and you know i'm sensitive about my mouth mods
0: very sensitive it's it's a a little hidden fact about danny wrench is that his mouth is very sensitive you can't you don't want to mess around with that yep uh you know it is it is when those chips they come in in that angle it's it's kind of bad news and then you start to question everything that had just occurred in your mind like did i put the chip like, did I, I not put it in so at the right angle? So you know right what I'm angle? talking about, not, right? Yeah. Do I not know how to eat? That's kind of the th- thought I have, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you found a new love. I mean, it's no Soylent, but, you know.
1: It is, it is, it is not Soylent, though it does have soy sunflower oil in it. So. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I don't know what that is, but it tastes good. That's good. Yeah.
0: I've now introduced Soylent to more people at work because I, you know, I drink a Soylent every day. Yep. Uh, and well, I'm not right now. We'll go into that in a hot second, but I keep carrying around these bottles of Soylent and everyone keeps asking me about it. And I go, oh, well, you know, I, I have a whole bunch at home. Let me bring you some in. Right. And they're like, like you oh, know, you know you?
1: I'm the Soylent fairy, right?
0: I am the soy like you are the gluten fairy. You just sprinkle gluten everywhere. I sprinkle mm-hmm. bottles of Soylent all over Microsoft campus. I love it. So, yeah. Oh, I don't have any this week because I am in beautiful Ireland. I'm back mm-hmm. in the Ireland. Can you believe it?
1: Sorry, I have to finish my one, uh, my one pretzel. Um, uh, I, I love you are in Ireland because, um, because I'm Irish. Are you Irish? No,
0: well, no. Yeah. Daniel My Wrench. mom was Irish. I'm a little Irish, German, German. Yeah, Wrench is I- German. Irish, German, Polish, Italian. 150% mm. Italian. Hmm. I don't know if you couldn't tell by James Gaetano Montemagno. I'm not sure if you could get that I always said that Montemagno
1: was uh, Native American. So,
0: mm. well, so Bad we details. Montemagno is originally how it was pronounced. Montemagno. It's also yeah. a small commune in Italy. Surprisingly enough, it has like really? a few a thousand people in it. Maybe it means great mountain. There you it go. sounds great. Did Danny <laughs> Dannyus con- continuously just eating bark thins again no, this episode. No, I'm
1: done now. I'm done now. I I'm totally done. I just had to get it out of my mouth.
0: blunders.fm/ slash uh thins for Danny. Yeah.
1: That's you can support the life the lifetime fund of uh Danny needing bark thins in his office. Now, this is the first ever uh, I believe episode where either one of us has eaten in the middle of recording very um carelessly. So I apologize for that. But there's a first time for everything and and now we can move on. So what brings you to Ireland? Good sir. And
0: to Ireland. Uh yeah, so I'm back in Ireland. We were, you know, H Diggs and I were here in April. So we're back. I am here on official work duty. It's work. It's happening. It's going on. We're at the the Microsoft campus here is Beautiful. So it's actually, I'm not in Dublin. We were just in Dublin. We're in Leopardstown, Leop- Leopards, Leopards Town. Anyone in Ireland? I'm so sorry for not understanding how the words
1: <laughs> of it's towns and Leopards. streets are. Leopards. Leopards. It's like Lancashire. Lancashire, oh. Yorkshire. 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 Yeah. Yorkshire. Yeah.
0: My coworker, it's... Alan, from Ireland is correcting everything we say incorrect. And then he puts on the, because when you're Irish, you have like a normal Irish accent. But the great thing about Irish people are that they're lovely individuals. But they 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 can kick in at any given point if they choose to the deep, rich, classic, over the top Irish accent that you know and you love. Right. In general, and they're all great. So even just talking to an Irish person, amazing. But then when they go over the top, it's 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 a thing of of beauty, and I love it. So yeah. we're here. We so. Alan, we're in a pretty spread out team. So I work with Alan, who's in Ireland. But then we also work with Drew, who's in Australia. And I also work with Maddie, who's in Boston. And I'm in Oh my in God, you Seattle. have three of my
1: favorite accents in one location. Oh, you got Drew absolutely. And, and then we got
0: mm-hmm.
1: Boston Yacht, Harvard Yacht, yeah. Boston Yacht. Oh my God, hey. you have everybody who I want to meet with you.
0: Yes, I have. I'm I'm surrounded. And then the best part here. Is that Drew from Australia, who, if you don't know, a great Australian accent, just phenomenal. We were talking about it on the car ride. But Drew, also, though, he does accents. Like, it's his thing. He oh, does really? a great American accent. This guy might be sa- my soulmate.
1: Like, Because well, there's different types of... So, there's the extreme American accents, which is like, a lot of times people make it like the New York Bo- you know, get over Boston, Brooklyn, or they do a Boston. Uh, they do Boston Hobbit Yard, like Maci uh, Mac. But sometimes they make fun of Americans with the. I like to think of my my Jesus country as a as a Southern me- mecca of hemisphere. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
0: that's like you're, uh, so, you sound like a George George W. Imp- impersonation, right? Yeah, there.
1: no, that was that was kind of. But usually, you don't hear someone make fun of an American accent by having like a generally monotone accentless kind of voice kind of like me or you.
0: Yeah. He goes, and he, I don't know how he pulled it off. He goes, and you guys all sound like this, correct? Like it was like monotone, but like nasally in, in a great way. Like, that's
1: amazing. I have to meet this guy. (laughs) I'm going to tell Drew Drew my best. Like give him tomorrow. Give Drew like this, this hug that lasts like maybe a few seconds longer than is naturally comfortable to the point where he like pulls away and looks at you like, okay, Mott's Right. And then go, that was from Danny. <laughs> so give him that yeah. hug that makes it guaranteed. He's feeling a little awkward. And then you tell him that was from Danny.
0: And then I, I print off a little f- uh, free diamond membership upgrade, <laughs> and this is from Danny. You're welcome. I was talking; they're like, because they're like, oh, you're gonna go record a podcast um, tonight? I'm Like, yeah, yeah. I've been recording. I recorded one yesterday. I record one tomorrow. I'm like, oh, what are you guys talking about? I talk, you know, to my friend Danny. I'm like, Oh, what does Danny do? I was like, well, he's just a chess international master. No mm. big deal. And they're like, whoa, really? I was like, yeah. What? So, what? He plays
1: chess for a living. Did he living? go full Keanu?
0: Whoa. Whoa, bro, totally.
1: Yeah. Well, that's yeah, cool. Is- you can tell him I am a huge fan of anyone who can pull off the American accent um, and not not go one of the obvious extremes, Southern or New York or South Dakota, Minnesota, like Wisconsin. Like, I feel like those are some of the more heavy areas of the country where you can clearly hear when someone is from certain parts of the Midwest. Um hmm you know, like uh, someone who pays attention can even tell when someone's from Chicago. Like there's a slight Midwest accent, right? Not like just bear's Bulls Ditka. I'm talking like just a slight Chicago. But um, you know, that that takes skill to really pick up the subtle and straightforward American accent. Props. Th-
0: that's gonna be my Bulls Bears Ditka. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bulls Bears Ditka. Um, that's, that's one of the, the characters of this podcast. I on one of my my TV shows. Everyone knows Uncle Sasha, my Russian alter ego. Um, he's actually Ukrainian, okay, but this is subtle difference. All right, next time. But um, not many people know about Bob. A, Bob, he's married to Claire, and he's both a Bears and a uh, he's a Bears and a Packers fan. And the reason he can be that way is because his dad was from Wisconsin, but his ma is from Chicago. And uh, Bob's a uh, Bob's a real good guy. This i don't do bob as often on my chess shows but
0: you should you should i think it's uh valid this is a thing that should happen all the time mm-hmm. um i think you got to pull you got to pull out that midwestern charm i mean i don't know if how many chess masters per se are from the midwest but i feel as if you know one of my favorite midwestern accents i'm i'm gonna go with because ohio we we have a slight accent and we have specific words we were talking about this like what words we use, like I use, right. you know,
1: pop, pop, right? And yeah, exactly, Coke, soda, soda, soda pop, pop, right? My wife's a big soda pop gal from Chicago.
0: Well, we're not even a soda pop, we're just a pop. So oh, it's, pop. it's a oh, it's just pop. I'm gonna go grab a well, pop. Well, some
1: people say pop, other people say soda. In other places, they just call it a Coke, right? Coke, even though Coke, Coke is a brand, right? They just call yep. it a Coke.
0: Give me a Coke. What kind of Coke? <clears throat> well, Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. No, what kind of Coke? Diet Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, just give me a Diet Pepsi. Yeah, and then- yeah. So my favorite though, because it's, it's, it's not that it's so extreme, but you know, the moment that it happens, which is, um, is, is a Dakota, like a Fargo. Yeah. That's in South North Dakota. Dakota right? South Dakota. Fargo. When yeah, I was watching. a
1: little bit more where Bob's from. It's, it's real, is... real thick over there.
0: Yeah, it's real thick, and it's thicker than a Wisconsin, because you know, um, i I got I got mini Minnesota people, and my family got Wisconsin people, got Ohio people. I got you know I got people from the Boston, Boston, will get a mm-hmm. coffee. You're we, you, we you've been
1: exposed. It. You have been exposed from a very young age to a wide variety of accents, much like me.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I told this story one time. I don't know if I told it here, but I was traveling seven years ago, my first time ever flying into Boston, Boston, Mm -hmm. Boston, 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 I was going into Boston and um, I was texting my mom. I was like, oh, I'm I'm taking off in Seattle. I'm going to be, you know, landing in Boston. She's like, oh, great. Just text me when you get there. And I got off. And the best part is that when I landed at Boston Logan Airport Mm -hmm. is that um, when people come on the speaker system, everyone who whoever this lady was, God bless her soul, it was the most thick, amazing Boston accent. Are you serious? That is I had so funny. Ever heard? And I and I texted my mom. I go, everybody here. Sounds like my aunt because my aunt had then moved into that area. So when my aunts would come home, it was always super thick Boston accents. I was like, everyone sounds like auntie here. Like everyone, like everywhere I turn, it's like my
1: aunt. It was amazing. So yeah, this is the. Yeah, no, Boston can be a a fun place for the exploratory. Those of us interested in exploring. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tri accentual. I will try any accent at least once. Um, so I'm, uh, that sounds, that sounds great, but all right. So is H is town with you there or is it just, uh, just work town for Modstown?
0: Work town. I took a little Aer Lingus, little, little Aer Lingus flight. Not to I'm be about to fly
1: of... Aer Lingus when <sighs> I go to the Isle of Man. You um, are in
0: for a treat. Good sir. Really?
1: Tell me oh, about Aer Lingus. Here's a great thing about Aer
0: Lingus. They, I know is they have they're... a
1: shamrock. They have a, a shamrock as their, as their logo on Expedia. That's the extent of my Aer Lingus knowledge.
0: So Air Lingus, um, they are, I wouldn't even consider them, they're not a Norwegian, they're not a budget airline, they are a step above those, like they're not a, you know, top tier, but they're not a, a mid or low tier, they're somewhere right in between. And the unique thing about them is that they are based out of Dublin, like out of Dublin, right? So out of Ireland. So it's like when you fly Iceland air, everyone is from Iceland, Icelandic air, but everyone is from Dublin. So everyone is like Irish on the plane, which is great. Um, Overall, my experience with Aer Lingus was phenomenal. They're like the queuing system worked really well. I didn't, I wasn't worried about my bag. They didn't even check bag sizes. They're like, we don't even care. Like what? Ever, we don't even just bring, like put is, the it, bag on. Just put it on. Just put it on the plane. As long as it's bring not it a
1: cow, just put it on the belt.
0: Put it on. Just go for it. Just put it in the overhead. You're good. You get in the seats. Even the I was in economy seats. I was in row twenty-seven. Plenty leg room for me. Um, was great. Wow. The in 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 entertainment. Now your your miles your air miles may vary, uh, but. Heather had the same exact experience because we were doing a direct flight from Seattle to Dublin. It's a new flight. And wow, that's that is a
1: long flight.
0: Nine <laughs> and a half hours. So <laughs> nine and a half. Pretty good. And no layovers, which is super key. And the in-dash, you know, in-dash area of movies, selection, games, phenomenal. The food. I, you have the option. Here's the interesting part. You have the option to upgrade to a premium gourmet meal. Even if you're in economy, you can just do it on the website ahead of time. And my coworker, Alan, who lives here, who is a air lingus gold, extreme four leaf clover member.
1: Right. Um, he (laughs) like a leprechaun literally shows up and helps him on the plane. Yeah. It's like,
0: come on in. There's (laughs) rainbows everywhere. There's pots of gold. It's phenomenal. Right. And, uh, and he's like, you should really, you should upgrade. Let's just say he's grades. got
1: the Keebler Elf on speed dial. Oh my gosh. Sorry, That's how true. many more of these bad, uh, sorry, you continue. I'm just thinking of more bad, bad pop culture Irish references. Everyone sorry. from Ireland,
0: everyone from <laughs> Ireland hates us now. So he's like, you should do this. I didn't do it because I, I I, I was like, I'm not going to spend the 25 bucks or whatever. Because, But it looked like a legitimate filet mignon, like all this stuff. But I got a great meal. The only thing with Aer Lingus is, Everything is included for free except for alcohol. So if you want some wine, you got to buy the wine. Not too bad. But the food was exceptional. It's probably the one. Yeah, definitely the best ever economy or premium economy meals I've ever eaten was on this. It's amazing. It was great. Like the whole experience was rock,
1: rock solid. European based airlines still know how to do it sounds like you know at least air lingus does
0: that's uh that's one thing i can confirm so i think you're gonna have a great time on the air lingus shout out to air lingus premium sponsor of uh blunders um uh, we yep. will definitely we should tweet, we should tweet make tweet. a clip
1: of this and we, we should just start going around to all kinds of sponsors you know it's so everybody air lingus we,
0: we're looking at you we love to fly <laughs> to your country it's a great place right. get a guinness uh I don't, know, I don't <laughs> drink Guinness, but you can go get, we'll get some tealing, some tealing. Why well, don't you drink Guinness?
1: Guinness is great.
0: I'm not a. Uh, let me tell you about my alcohol beer consumption. I am not a beer person. This may come as a surprise to you,
1: Daniel. I feel like we've had beers together. We have had we have, beers I mean, together. We've, we've polished off a bottle of scotch together. Mm-hmm. We've had wine together. Yes. Maybe we, maybe we haven't had beers together per se. Hmm. You know, and You're, at the be, wedding- You could be right. At the wedding, I didn't have any beers. Yeah. Suddenly, I realized all of, the, you know, my whole life is being turned upside down. I have never had a beer with James Montemagno.
0: Like, whoa, it was all the dream. Yeah. I used yeah. to read
1: Word Up magazine, magazine. Salt and Pepper and Heavy D up in the limousine. Never mind. Let's, okay, back you to the it. show.
0: Uh, back to the show, people. Side Dragon. So, the. Beer is an interesting category because I do like beer, but I only really enjoy a craft. It doesn't have to be craft, but it has to be a unique flavor
1: No, I hear you. Profile. There has to be a reason to drink it, right? It's local yes. to the area. It's, um, you know, a lot, there are a lot of people that fall into this category of like craft snobs. We call them. You're a coffee snob, so you're also a craft beer snob. I get Correct. it.
0: Correct. The difference is that I don't like stout. I just don't – it's too rich. It's, not, it's like a dessert. It's like drinking a dessert, and that's yeah, my problem which, with it. Which so. is
1: – I'm so glad you said that because that's amazing because the exact reason why my wife, Shauna, loves Guinness, loves stouts. She likes the the Milk Stout brand, the left-hand Milk Stouts. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes Guinness. She'll make herself a Guinness and cider. I think it's called like a snake bite or something. That's like kind mm-hmm. of her drink of choice. But she um, – she actually partook in this this brewery that had an oatmeal stout float. Ooh. And it won best float, like not best float of like alcohol beverages pretending to be root beer floats. Like it won best float against other root beer floats um, from like everywhere and it was an oatmeal stout with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. The ice cream is homemade vanilla and it she said it was the best float she's ever had in her life. It's not a root beer float, it's a it was a, it was a, it was a stout float
0: wow i like that yeah
1: because you said it's almost like a rich like a dessert and i had to say like you're absolutely right and that's she still talks about that place that we had the the uh the famous stout float Hmm. interesting
0: yeah i haven't tried that and that might be something to get into. i don't like root beer so i can't really do a root beer float but a, a stout one might be pretty delicioso um yeah so i i I don't even like super hoppy things, so I don't like crazy IPAs. I'm like a pale ale, lager, but like a put some flavor in. The, I don't know. It's just it's a different day, but I'm more of a wine first, whiskey first type of gentleman, right? Drinker,
1: yeah. Respect. It's okay. Yeah.
0: Boom boom. Respect.
1: Yeah. I'm curious what the uh, demographic is of our of our listeners. I think that. I would bet that the type of person who's willing to go out of their way and really make sure they enjoy their coffee, their 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 beverage to start the day, might also be a little more along the lines of what you describe, right? Really specific mm-hmm. kind of taste. So maybe it's a personality thing as much as it is kind of like a, uh, just a preference, dietary preference or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I did host HS.com stream last night Ooh. And, um, you no, know, just a hypothesis that I'm coming to right now. That's all.
0: Was this the stream that went for like four hours?
1: Yeah. Four, four and a half <sighs> plus.
0: That's a F day's plus. worth of work. That's a whole was, day's it was, worth it was of work. Exhausting. Oh
1: my goodness. Well, and today I just got done hosting the Speed Chess Championship, uh, Grishuk versus Nepomniyashi. So <clears throat> that was fun and unique. Um, if you, I assume you didn't watch it cause you're busy in, in Ireland, Ireland, Island, Dublin, um, it was, it was a very close match until kind of the last 45 minutes. And then Grishuk ran away with it. And I'll tell you, it led to one of the most, I, I have to be careful here because, you know, I've mm. professional relations with both of these guys and all that stuff, but it was, it was an interesting post-match interview. Um, and I think that, you know, emotions run high after matches like that. So I don't think either one of them would hold it against each other, but they both sort of were throwing barbs at each other and it was kind of contentious. (laughs) So I I definitely recommend, we'll link it in the show notes here. I definitely recommend everybody check it out because um, it was, it was interesting. I didn't feel, you know, I've been very critical of my own post game game. I told you that my post game game isn't as good as my other game in my opinion, my other commentary game. So I've been trying to pick up my post game game. But in this case, it really had nothing to do with me. It had to do with, you know, they both were very, very much sharing both talked, But it was uh, it was fun. There were some contentious comments made back and forth. And uh, and Robert and I rather enjoyed it. Actually, it was fun. (laughs) It was it was tension filled. You know,
0: it's it's nice when you can just sit back and let them do all the work for let you. Let do
1: them do all the work. Exactly. That was kind of what happened. And I even at one point tried to let it continue and just ask the other one what they thought of the other one's previous comment. And that's when it Ooh. ended because the response was, I have nothing else to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's a, and I think it, we're uh, done. It, it, that's
1: that's a Tarantino right there. So that's going to make everyone want to want to listen.
0: I so. like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm breaking it down. So Hikaru moving forward. Maxime. Maxim, Maxime, Maxim, 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 Yep, Maxim, moving, Levon, our boy, Aroni He's out there, mm-hmm. my boy, Wesley. So moving along, and then, yeah, Alexander today, and now, and now, Alexander Grishuk,
1: Sasha Grishik, as he's called,
0: Alexander Hamilton. His name His is name Alexander
1: is... Hamilton. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens because we expect Sergey Karyakin to also move on against Jan Christoph Duda, and then, um it'll be another Russian on Russian match between Karyakin and Grishuk in the next round. So that should also be fun.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm going to go back and watch this. Oh, you can, uh, I was really excited. I thought on the, here's a pro thing that I want feature request, feature request. Yep. I would like to, on the chess.com speed championship website, I'm on, mm-hmm. it was on the article, but I would like an interactive bracket so I can hover over like the, the map previous matches and go directly to the Twitch stream and watch that happen. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that then I could
1: is something.
0: tap on the next something one special. and then subscribe for a notification. So I don't miss out on when that one's going to stream.
1: That's a great point. Yep, and we need same. to do a better job of leveraging, you know, things like that, that really aren't too complicated, but help navigate users to, to where we know they want to go. Right. That's that a good premium, idea. We should at least have the previous content. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we should at least have the previous match, like just right there up top. Right. Just embedded. Yeah. So, um, okay. Mm-hmm. Good feedback. Noted. Noted. You know,
0: I'm all, you know, that that's, that's a program manager coming up with those ideas. I'll let you go off and let, uh, let those devs crush it. Put those feature requests in. Yep, I'm All about those feature requests. Well, oh man. Uh...
1: Devs love feature requests, as they say. It's
0: not a bug, it's a feature. It's a feature. Oh, you know, developer, I think developers, and we enjoy, we enjoy making the new. You know, the it's hard sometimes to be stuck in just like bug fix and bug fix and bug fix. Like give us something new and fun to work with, like side projects. Do you give your team at all like 10% time? Do you know about 10% time?
1: No, but I'm very excited to hear about this.
0: So this is something that uh, H-Town's company kind of does quite a bit, and she's actually come out with some really cool features. So Google, I believe, is the one that started it. They might have called it like 20% time or 10% time or something, but they do 10% time, which is every Friday, the entire company uh, in the afternoon for four hours, you get to work on any side project that you would desire. Now the the rules and regulations there are that it is a side project that applies to your core like to the to the company. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have an idea, like you've always had this idea and you would love to implement it, but you don't have time. You got you're actually crushing code and you're doing bugs and you're implementing features that the product managers told you to do. But you have all these other great ideas. So what if you had 4 hours just to prototype something? And then you're done, right? You go back the next week and you have another four hours. And after a month, you know, you could present what you did or when you're ready, you, you share it with your team. So I love these this. are, this is yeah, the greatest
1: like, idea of all time. Yeah.
0: They're like little tiny features. So sometimes they're big features, like Heather, like Heather, like made an entire big promotional thing, like all this stuff, like, you know, did amazing for the company. Some of the other ones are like little features, like, oh, you can tag somebody now, or you can do this other thing. it's 10% time.
1: Yeah. Right. No, and Thank it would, uh, especially if you have the type of, cause I think there's two different types of mindsets of developers who like doing new things, or at least within the experiences I've had, there's what I like to call the architects, the ar- architectural developers are exactly what you said. They would much rather live in the world of building something, you know, from building the functionality really from the ground up, but they really live and die on kind of seeing their whole thing grow as a baby and, um, you know, they're, they're builders, right. They're architects and they want to, they, they want to spend their time there and and really, really hate. I feel like this, this mindset really, really hates when they get trapped in the world of bug fixing, but they're brilliant at times when they're building something, you give them a project from scratch and say, run with it. And then there's others that, like you said, will like really like the idea of new things and, but are a little bit more, you know, kind of like ADD kind of bounce around like, Ooh, like I went to this page and tried to do this. Why doesn't it do that? I'll do it right now. Why don't I went to this page and I wanted to click here and that wasn't clickable. I'm just going to do it right now, right? They sort of, you know, are, are a little bit more impulsive, but not in a bad way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in my experience, those devs have been, have been uh, sometimes more willing to tackle bug features, but they also tend to be a lot more aware of user facing issues. When it's like really trying to explain to this developer what the what the UX is, what is the user's experience from this page? Like, how are our users actively, actively using the site? And you know, maybe they're a little more in touch with um, that. Whereas, like, I feel like an architect can really, really see something from the ground up, and and but really sort of prefers that. And isn't necessarily somebody who wants to be thrown into the user facing issues that are happening on a daily basis. And this is me, you know, this is, I'm dev typing. I'm dev stereotyping here. But, you know, it's it's yeah. not necessarily the most untrue thing I think is, and I think some of it is just personality, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, anyway, what, what would you say to that?
0: Well, I would say, you know, yeah, every every developer is, is different and the, architect, the architecture is different. I think what, what developers like is kind of, you know, not only solving problems, but there is that sometimes untapped creative like you know, creative energy that that can kind of get suppressed sometimes because you're always this this is the backlog of things I must do, things I must new do over no, and I'd over really again. I appreciate yeah. that. So yeah. something something to think about. And but everybody has yeah. to be on board. You know, so right. it's it's not like everybody in the company is getting ten percent time, but it's like the developers do. You could give everybody ten yes. percent time, and who knows, maybe other people are doing all sorts of great things but yeah it was just like the developers but then also the product people need to be in the understanding that like hey this developer might do something which you know you didn't think of or didn't do re- user research on and like it might be the next great thing and like just be aware right. that like hey these devs are, are coming up with cool things and then no if i love it, it. honestly yeah. i think
1: that could be a huge a huge cultural uh Plus for us, especially as the the team expands and you end up finding that, you know, I think we're doing a lot more of that sort of HR stuff as far as trying to take the pulse of our team and how people feel and what's going on, because, you know, you get in a world where you think, you know, what everyone's doing and you think everyone's happy, but you don't always know what everyone's doing or that everyone's happy. Right. So I, I love that idea mm-hmm. Yeah, just from an interfacing and getting a feel for, you know, things that people would like to do and things people think about ideas for the site.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and that—that's how your next six-player chess will happen.
1: Yeah, six-player chess, <laughs> exactly. For uh, we probably need a, a six-player chess.
0: It, it'll keep um, going. You're like six-player, eight-player chess. All right, twenty-eight uh-huh. person chess. Real, real-time chess. Everyone is—it's—it's real-time bullet chess where everybody is going, everybody is moving all the time, like. <laughs> This is my, this is my idea of 10% project for James. I want a chess game I where it. I don't have to wait for Danny to make a move. Everybody is making moves all the time. Constantly.
1: You know, what's so funny is I've actually, we've actually thought of that variant. So what it is, is it's two chess players sitting at a chessboard, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a total clock. The clock is counting down from like total time. You can yeah. do total time of one minute, total time of five minutes, total time from a day, I guess, in theory, right? Yeah. And both sides are moving their pieces as fast as possible, reacting to the other person's moves. But you don't have to wait. So if I can, if I can make several moves and just build a massive center and then like checkmate you before you've seen what's coming on F7, think game over. Right. But in theory, like players would be a relative strength. And so they would sort of anticipate this. But it it would be one of those scenarios where you could literally kind of juke somebody almost. Right. And and in real time, you're racing against the total clock. Um, I don't know what happens when the time runs out. Right. Like, is it whoever's at material wins if there hasn't been a checkmate or something? But there has to be some level of like make people move or maybe you don't, because obviously, if you don't move while the other person's moving, then they're just going to mate you.
0: Mm-hmm, true. So yeah. there's yeah.
1: clearly motivation to move. You would never play a game that that you didn't have like your full focus on.
0: It would be an interesting prototype just to see because you can't, yeah. you could not do that over the board. It would be impossible because everyone's arms yep. and hands would be in the way. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Well, there you go. Boom. I just, I just, yeah. next billion dollar chess.com idea, Danny.
1: Yeah, there you go. I'm waiting for our first billion dollar chess.com idea, <laughs> but okay, thanks. <laughs> but I'm bum
0: ching. <laughs> Right. Oh.
1: Um, but uh, what's Microsoft doing in the chess world these days? Are they, do they, do they dabble in the uh, in the game sphere besides Xbox and all the other stuff? I mean, are they? We got do They have the, any chess prototypes coming? We got
0: the Windows 10 chess game that comes installed. Maybe we got the solitaire. We're yeah. big, into uh, <laughs> big into solitaire.
1: Big into solitaire. Big into solitaire. That was the best way to answer my question. What's Microsoft doing with chess? We're big into solitaire. Big into uh, solitaire. That might be the name of the episode right there. We're big, big into solitaire.
0: We're big into solitaire. Yeah. That, that's what we do. We also, in the past, we used to really like flight simulators. Like, do you want to fly a plane? We fly a plane to simulate that. We got that. Um. And then that ran its ground, which is a bad way of saying it because it's not like it collided it, was their, it. was grounded. It was grounded. It was grounded, but on a bunch. That was grounded. And then we said,
1: you know what people really like? Solitaire. They really like you Solitaire. You know what people really, really like is Minesweeper and Solitaire. Solid. Those two
0: things, you, it's all you need for a computer, to be honest. Right.
1: Most so, people have computers just so they can play Minesweeper. What was your fastest ever Minesweeper time on Master?
0: Oh, like oh, on master? Ooh. Okay. Intermediate. Okay, well, beginner Beginner. I'm a beginner, man. Like I don't know, twenty five seconds. So if
1: you if you play beginner, I think sometimes you get the accidental, like perfect click. Oh yeah, that's great. And you great. can finish it in just a few seconds. Yeah. Right? I'm pretty sure I've done beginner in like eight seconds on a on a thing like that. Um where it was just it was just solved, right? I clicked it, things expanded. There was clearly like a few mines, done intermediate i know i've done in less than 40 seconds. Mm. I used That's to play really a lot of Minesweeper. What? That was your that was your thing. Well, see, when i was um, you know, we've talked a lot about the different hats i've worn as a chess professional, which is why i use that term rather than professional chess player because that implies the game is always being played. I've called myself a chess professional because i've, you know, i taught in schools and private lessons for 10 to 15 years and then obviously now i I manage a website, and write emails. And then there's, um, but one of the things I did for years was I ran a tournament, um, a series of tournaments right under American chess events, LLC, American chess.net. The website still exists. It's old. It's ugly. Don't go there. Um, but American chess events was the LLC that I started when I was a teenager. So I had kind of an umbrella protection to operate under as I was doing private lessons and schools and all that stuff. You know what I mean? I was, I was business savvy at 15. Um, but, uh, Then I, you know, we ran this series of tournaments forever. And while you're running tournaments where a bunch of people are playing chess worse than you, it's hard to watch those chess games. Yeah. So, um, no, I'm kidding. That sounds. I'm, it was just, the thing is like, when I'm like, I was playing chess at a pretty high level, like I'm running these tournaments for kids, you get a little bored. So one of the things that I was often doing at my computer, people would look at me and think I was doing something really serious. This is in my like late teens, early twenties. I was I was the tournament director, so I have like my my Windows TD is called Win TD, or you mm-hmm. have Swiss Sys, Swiss Master. These are the chess pairing programs that help you run tournaments that have the algorithms um, that that make Swiss pairings that are also connected to like the FIDE's rules, right? Because mm-hmm. a Swiss pairing system is very simple, like you know, you just cut it in half and you make the pairings. One oh, plays yeah. fifty, two plays fifty-one, or whatever, right? Yep. Um, but there's all kinds of other rules in terms of FIDE or USCF in terms of the pairing. So the, these these software programs have the algorithms in them. But I often just had it minimized. And Papa Cheese was just over there rocking the Minesweeper <laughs> over and over again, trying to beat his own time. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, so that's I'm, a I'm proud of quick you. Window. Quick window yep. into the life of Daniel Wrench. Of chess tournament organizer. That's a hat I wore for several years that we don't talk about much.
0: You know, there's, there's some... There's some jobs, you know, in some professions and some activities that you do where sometimes, yeah, it's pretty much okay to just open a Minesweeper and just play that for about five hours <laughs> yeah, of the day. That,
1: that was one of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Most of the hard work of running those tournaments is the prep work and then like the first hour and a half where you you have to set up all the chess sets. Make sure you've got all the pairings out. You got to post the pairings. Make sure you've got all the late entries, people that show up on site. It's like, you couldn't just register online. You had to show up <laughs> on site. Yeah. I'm charging you a $5 late fee, but you just really slowed down the start of round one. Cause now I got to register you. Ugh. This happens all the time. I, I got to the point where I was charging, like, I think like a $20 late fee. Oh my
0: just goodness. Just to
1: show up and play yeah. on site. Oh, man. Cause it was like, it was like, there's, you know, and, 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 People would squabble, but at that point it's like, what are you doing here? And I didn't do it as a means to like gouge the consumer. I told them like it really, really helps the environment of the event and things start smoother when you register online in advance. And I know you got a credit card. Mm, yeah. You know, even just send me an email. Yeah. If people send an email but paid on site, I didn't charge them a late fee. Mm. As long as they registered. So anyway, there you go. That's uh it's a whole I mean we could dive deep down this rabbit hole depending on how far you want to go, man. But uh, well, the I think world that of a tournament is... organizer, it's a whole nother animal in the chess community. <laughs> Some of the most unique characters are not chess players; they're chess tournament organizers. These people can be nutty.
0: Well, I know because I'm talking to one right now.
1: Right now, right? right now, it, it, you know, and anybody that would spend eight hours of their day. So after the after the rush is over, and I'm running organizing this tournament, every few hours I got to do the pairings for the next round, and I'm sitting there like I was playing Minesweeper. It's probably why I never became a grandmaster. You know, could have been studying chess during that time. Jesus, you, what was wrong
0: with me? You could have been. You could have literally had any of the chess programs or just I been. could have
1: been a contender.
0: <laughs> in another world. Um, all right. But I think that's it. I think that on that that note, I think. <laughs> You're I like, can, okay,
1: Danny, I'm done with you. I'm done and, with uh, you. Let's call it now.
0: It's about 1030 here. I'm about done with you. I'm about done, I'm about done with your chess tournament. I'm going to go drink some coffee. No, I'm going go to go to bed. Go drink some
1: coffee all cool way. Coffee. Get some coffee and some. Um, yeah. Well, we had it. we had fun, right? This was not the worst podcast in the world.
0: This was good. Brought to you by, we want to thank our sponsors, Aer Lingus, Bark Thins, uh, and also all of the chess organizers of the world. Um, thank you for being <laughs> all part All the chess organizers
1: of the world. world. You do a service. That it's, is uh, It's a borderline public service because you never quite make enough to justify that you just spent a Saturday Putting up with a bunch of really high maintenance parents and kids. Um but uh but it is a thing.
0: The work you do will be remembered forever, Shiloh. Um
1: shia Buff. Shia
0: LaBeouf. All right, buddy. Well, you have an amazing week. Um this was maybe one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. <laughs> I,
1: I, I, well, I apologize for starting to eat. By the way, I'm using a new mic. How's the blue yeti sound?
0: Ah, oh, sounds great. You sound great. You sound phenomenal yeah yeah I'm I'm on uh, Blue Raspberry this episode of Blunders brought to you by Blue makers of microphones
1: they'll probably sponsor us someday if I had to guess
0: yeah I think everyone should sponsor us at some point so
1: if you're interested for them they they should do it for them it's like a coming of age for them yeah
0: we don't need it but they
1: they need us yeah yeah
0: All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your park. I'll talk to you later. See you, man. All right. Bye.